in order for you and me to devise some kind of method or strategy to offset some of the events or re a repetition of the events that have taken place here in Los Angeles recently, we have to go to the root. We have to go to the cause. Dealing with the condition itself is not enough. And it is because of our effort toward getting straight to the root that people oftentimes think we are dealing in hate. We are oppressed. We are exploited. We are downtrodden. We are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against the common enemy. Who taught you to hate the texture of your hair? Who taught you to hate the color of your skin to such extent that you bleach to get like the white man? Who taught you to hate the shape of your nose and the shape of your lips? Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Who taught you to hate your own kind? Who taught you to hate the race that you belong to? So much so that you don't want to be around each other. No, before you come asking Mr. Muhammad, does he teach hate? You should ask yourself, who taught you? <laughs> And I, for one, as a Muslim, believe that the white man is intelligent enough. If he were made to realize how black people really feel and how fed up we are without that old compromising sweet talk. Stop sweet talking. Tell him how you feel. Tell him how, what kind of hell you've been catching and let him know that if he's not ready to clean his house up. Check me out, check me out, check me out. We still on it. We still on it. We still on it. Some of y'all wasn't outside. You wasn't even born. What year did this come out? 90? I was born. Uh, Crack era. December? <laughs> Listen, we tired. I'm not going to keep going out here explaining everything. Let it breathe, though. I'm going to let it breathe. Rock out right now. Listen, they've been saying this for centuries. Music, speeches. Everybody say, 
This didn't just start right now. Again, episode five, I'm still on that same vibe. This is the reason why we have a podcast to have these difficult conversations. Is in the trunk with the bass on crunk. Who be riding up in the high rise elevator? Other tenants will be praying he ain't the new neighbor, Mr. Nigga. Nigga, nigga, they try to play him like the chump because he got what they want. He under 30 years. Some of y'all hate that word, but they call us that behind closed doors. I'm telling you the truth right now. Oh, we gonna talk today. Behind closed doors? Behind closed doors, they say it. They won't say it in public that much. Are you sure? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, and open doors in the South, they definitely gonna say it. They, don't, they ain't got no doors in the South. <laughs> Inside speakeasy. Listen to most real quick. Keep the digital phone up to his dome, two assistants, two bank accounts, two homes, one problem. Even with the O's on his check, the pole pole stop him and show no respect. Right? <laughs> To give chase, say they want you successful, but that ain't the case. You live in large, your skin is dark, they flashing light in your face. Now, who is the cat dining out on the town? Make your D wanna take a whole year to sit him down, Mr. Nigga. Nigga, nigga, he got the sneakers in the trunk with the bass on crunk. Mic check, mic check, it's one of your best. Hey, that went. That would be the song when when I was growing up. Not that one specifically, but a song like that where someone would be we'd be playing it, and someone would put pause when it comes up to see if I would say it. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the reel down to see. Hey, yeah. I want to know how much he really know it. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> Just checking. Hey, the good cop out for you is like I never heard it before. <laughs> this is my no, 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 no. Not if I knew the words. If I would say the word, you know that track. Yes. Okay. What I'm saying is they would turn they would pause it at that moment. Just to see. If I was gonna say the like word. Like it was white chicks and you was in the car. <laughs> right. Like, oh, is he gonna say the word? Say it. There's yeah, nobody like here that. right yeah. now. Never got caught. Nah, I'm good. I'm serving everybody like throat punches if I hear anyone say it that's not of this culture or of this ethnicity. <laughs> to make sure that we get it all the way down to the specifics. Yo, listen, I wanna welcome y'all to episode five of the You Wasn't Outside podcast. I'm one of your hosts doing the most. My name is Normal Ass Carl and to my right, I have, people are waiting, drum roll please. Brrr, AKA Tammy DeVito, AKA LeBron's James, AKA white man can jump in bounce houses. Just Lex, how you feeling, guy? Word, man. Hey, I was a little surprised. I want to call you King, but not this week. We got- <laughs> <laughs> not this week. We're going to get the intro right one of these days. It was a good pickup from what I thought was going to happen. It was a little surprise. No, no. I'm a key. Hey, I. We all right. Went through life, experienced a few things, and was your, like, your substitution worked out. You put Lou Will in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, what you been up to, man? <sighs> manual labor. What you what you mean manual labor? Just trying to get this house ready, doing touch ups, painting my stairs yesterday. Mm. You know. Oh, we got something to Just, talk about this 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 episode about houses and stuff yeah. like that. Some some deep rooted things that I want to you know discuss, and then <clears> had a gentleman that's on his grind yeah. that's going to be calling in later mm, on. I went over to went over to say hi to my mom. She said, "Hey, you want to help?" Uh, Help him put this sliding door in. He said, I just need you for three minutes. Three minutes. 90 <laughs> minutes later. <laughs> hey, man, I got to go. Three minutes is what gets you in the door, though. You know what I mean? Like, you just got to make it sound enticing so you can get in there and then show you what the problem is so then you feel convinced I have to stay. <laughs> I never, I was never convinced I had to stay. Oh, I just uh, was like, oh, well, I'm here. So. That's cool, man. That's where I'm at, man. Yeah. 
Well, where I'm at right now, I'm taking a, a week off from work, which is great. It started last week on Friday. Uh, played two days of golf, went and rode my bike out in Coronado today. Took a real good look at the landscape out there, man. I don't know what the black population is out there, but it's got to be less than 1% unless you're in the military and you're staying on base. I think San Diego in general is hovering around five. Yeah, we're hovering around. That's what I'm saying. Coronado's got to be even less. I think the average price of a home out there is like 3.5. Don't quote me. It's it's definitely above 2 million. You know what I mean? Really good school districts, all those things. So, yeah, I rode my bike out there, and I'm going to spend some time with myself. Uh, rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. Make sure I say it right because I, I have this little thing where I slur speeches. Chadwick Boseman. Uh, rest in peace to Miss Rhonda. Rest in peace to anybody that we've lost this year. 2020 has been a very, very heavy year, man. Um, I seen that post. Actually, uh, a friend of ours in the group chat sent that over, and I was like, no way. And I just realized, like, you know, you never know what somebody's going through. I remember just a few months back, people were, you know, making fun of him, saying that, you know, he looked like he was a drug addict. I know you guys have seen the things on social media, which is why I try not to be too hard on people, man, you know, off of, like, meeting them or, like, if they're going through something or they respond to me with negativity because you just never know what somebody is going through. You know what I mean? And so one of those things is always, you know, treat people with love, man, you know, and love and respect. So I get it, but at the same time, like if it's on the internet, you know the internet's undefeated. The joke's gonna fly. I mean, it's yeah, it sucks after the fact. It's kind of like we, you know, oh, your mama fat, not my mom dead, and you feel all bad. You know yeah. what I mean? So but it's, it's, it's like one of them mind. situations. But yeah, like I just had that happen. I my cousin, he has his own little. Uh, I won't say little. He has his own podcast or media show. Um, it's called The Young and the Wash, and he's got a guy on there that's a contributor to his show. And I had forgot that, you know, his older sibling is no longer here, or his sibling, I don't know if he was older or younger, is no longer with us. So we're talking, and I'm providing an example. And I'm like, yo, you got brothers and sisters, right? And he was like, I had one. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, mm. my bad, brother. I didn't, <laughs> I, I quickly changed the tune yeah, right yeah. there and didn't even bring it back up after that, man. So. Yeah, man. So that's where we at. Let's just jump into it, man. Read them and weep. Um, right off the bat, we had a young man that was, you know, shot by the police. Um, if you haven't been keeping up in the world and stuff like that, shame on you. Uh, Jacob Blake, um, he was breaking up a fight. I'm just going to give you the, the spark notes right now. He was breaking up a fight uh, between two women. Um, he had prior, you know, warrants, you know, for his arrest. Um, and then... He, you know, escaped from police custody for seven seconds, gets away, walks around from the right passenger side of his vehicle or the back seat side of his vehicle to the front with his three kids in the car. The police officers had the guns already pulled before he even gets around on the other side of the car and they fire seven shots in his back. This man is now paralyzed um, and his life is going to be forever altered, you know. Now, the dispute that most people are saying, you know, that that I get from the other side. And when I say I get that I'm receiving or that I'm looking up um, is that people are upset that the the, the gentleman had, I guess, a domestic uh, dispute charge. And he also had um, a sexual assault, uh, I believe it's third degree sexual assault. And yes, that matters um, uh, charge. And so they were and then they were saying that he had a weapon in the vehicle, which I haven't found a publication on my own right that says that that was the case or if it wasn't doesn't matter. There was enough time. They tased him before they, they neglected to tackle this man when he was walking around the, the side of his car. Yes, he was speed walking, but he was walking nonetheless, you know, 
And so it was an unfortunate event that that caused a, quite an uproar last week, you know, in, in our society in which another young man, I don't even remember this kid's name because I don't care. I don't want to glorify, you know, any of this shit that he was doing. But he was walking around with assault rifles talking about he was going to help the police. And he ended up shooting, I believe, uh, two individuals dead. So what do you think, Lex? I'm just painting the picture right now. Man, you know, it took me a couple of days to even see that video. For whatever reason, I just didn't bump into it. And then when I did, I kind of waited. And then when I saw it, I was just like, you know, all that shit they bring up about his uh, assault or whatever he had in his past, all that shit comes out afterwards. That makes no difference. And it's no excuse for what's happening. And, you know, like, you know, we come in here every week and we joke about, you know, my white privilege and stuff like that. And, you know, it's times like this that it's, man, it sucks. Like, you know, as a person, I can lend, you know, my time. I can lend money. I can give advice. But I can't lend my white privilege to people. Mm. And that's unfortunate, man, because I see, man, I see this shit going on way too fucking much. Like. Every t- we see in these videos seems like every week now and it just makes me more and more ancient anxious like we were, a couple weeks ago we were in here talking about you know kids not going out to play and you talking about how scared you are just because of all the stuff that goes on in the world and it's like fuck man it don't matter how much game I can give my boys about life in general I can never give them that full understanding of what it's like to be out there as a black man and the anxiety of seeing all these videos all the time it's like damn as much as I want them to go out in the world and not be sheltered it's like I don't want you to be sheltered but I want you to be alive and it's really fucked up that that's a scenario we have to be cognizant about in 2020 especially in 2020 and that's it sounds fucking ridiculous looking at it from you know as a spectator for at 2020 that this is the shit we got to talk about week after week month after month and you know it's man i don't even you know i can't even really articulate at this point but it's it's trying to come to the acceptance that You know, it was just weighing on me that, you know, as they get older, that I cannot, that's one thing I can't prep them for. And I can't really, like, I can say it, I can show them, I can, you know, I can get close, but I can never really be like, this is what it's like. Even, you know, whatever harassment I've, you know, we talked about last week and the, the harass, maybe I get harassed more than, than the average white guy during my life, but it's, it's not the same. It's not. Cause I, I don't, I don't think twice when I go out all the times I've been pulled over. The last thing I thought was going to happen was I was going to die. I've had a gun pulled on me before by a cop, but I was never like, Oh, he's not going to pull the trigger. And that's something that that's the main thing. Maybe that happens with you. I know it happens with a lot of people. I know I can't like, that's a real thought in the mind. And that's just something that just did not trigger with me. And so like, it's more of a just like I can be sympathetic, I'm apathetic, you know, I'm an ally, but it's like 
it sucks because I can't, I can only do so much. You know what I mean? And that's just kind of where I'm at with it. It's kind of really beating me down all week. Yeah, man. This, the the interesting thing is, is like all these things happening before an ele- you know, an election year or in, during an election year. Um, and it's starting to bring out like the worst in people where they're, where now I'm starting to see the divides again that we had four years ago when Donald Trump, you know, first started, you know, trying to take office and, you know, doing the speeches and rallying people together. And I'm starting to see a lot of nasty shit. So I'm about to just Finish him. I'm really about to just get off right now because there's a there's a, a woman on my um my girlfriend's uh Instagram that I guess she went to high school with and this is the whole read 'em and weep segment. Um my girlfriend is an ally, you know, she's Hispanic, Latino, Latina, um origin. But she recognizes that she has black children. She recognizes that, you know, she's in a relationship with a black man that has very strong views. Um, so she supports, you know, us, you know, on her Instagram. Now, the, the the woman that I'm talking about, she never, you know, converses with this person when she gets very high in her politics. And at this point, you know, looking at the messages that she was sending her, I'm no longer taking a backseat. You know what I mean? Sometimes, like, I just be like, yo, I do what I can control or whatever, and I'm not going to start going after people. But on Instagram, this girl's name is N-E-N-E.Herrera86. Are we going all the way? I'm on that. Nene.Herrera86. You'll see her. She's got a blue shirt on. Now, I hit her up. I asked her. I said, yo, listen, the shit that you talking right now, it's without logic. So I'll give you an opportunity. I'll talk to you for 10, 15 minutes on Sunday. It's Sunday. Sent her a message. She never got back to me. But this is what she wrote in response to, you know, my girlfriend's post on Instagram. Had he simply complied and not fought, he wouldn't be paralyzed. Now, if you condone an abuser, that's on you. I just pray you never deal with any abuse or your daughters because trust me, you think differently. This was not a good man. I don't care what color he is. And no amount and no amount of statistics changes the actual facts of what this situation was plain and simple. He's a criminal. With a warrant, they tried to do their job, he fought, resisted, and he had a knife, and threatened he had a gun, which uh, he went to reach for. Those are the facts. You defend the abuser and criminal, and criminal uh, shit, this is her writing. You defend, defend an abuser and criminal simply because of the color of their skin. That's the main problem in this country. If people want law enforcement reform, we have to change our culture of glorifying criminals and sexual abusers. Now, here's the deal. I don't I don't know her backstory or if she's, you know, been through something and, and she's just, like, letting that out because, you know, maybe she has some trauma or some history with sexual abuse or domestic, you know, violence or something like that. You know, taking all those things into account because she didn't say it, I don't give a shit right now. And I started looking at it for the basis of we make up 12 to 14% of the population in the United States, right? blacks as a whole i don't know if they count africans or not right but in the prison systems we make up about 40 to 50 percent of the population 60 percent right and the number was way higher than that than it was maybe the last two or three four years i'm not sure they do it you know they do all these things you can look it up i'm not making this up they call it mass incarceration you know and i asked my homeboy the other day who's really good in track i said yo if we're running the 400 meter, which you specialize in, but I get a 300 meter start, you're not beating me. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says, you're not beating me. So if we fail to recognize that slavery, you know, um, 
Jim Crow, uh, segregation of schools, uh, poll taxing, you know, redlining, all these events that happen to put black people in the state that they're in right now, and y'all not offering help, I don't want to hear shit from you. That's just how I feel. Yeah, I mean, going back to what she said, it's same, you know, she was on that Brian Erlacher shit. It's more, like I was saying before, I'm not saying he, he might have been not the best guy in the world, but that's no excuse to shoot that man in the back. And like My I said, maybe, maybe I didn't see the video correctly or I only saw it, I wasn't going to sit there and watch it. I didn't really look into like the whole, I heard, oh, he was going for a gun. He had a knife. It looked like he was going to his truck or, but like you shot him in the back though. And it's like, you could have ran up on him. You could have did something else. And like to let out, I don't, how many, I don't even know how many, how many bullets was it? Seven? It was seven. Like that sounds ridiculous. And I mean, shit, he, he survived. Shit, honestly, I hope he kind of take them, the city for whatever they got at this point. Like, yeah, you might have fucked up charges passed. Like, yeah, we don't condone it, but it's not about that. It's like, it's the same type of people that confuse kneeling at the anthem they think we're it's, they think it's disrespecting the flag it's like no it's about something completely different so it's like no you're not condoning a criminal we're not condoning excessive force by police because that's it's it's two different things yeah because you can't just stop when things happen like that in a flash of moment we can't say hey before before i feel feel about this can i can i get a background check please it's yeah. like, no, I'm going to judge that based on no information. That shit don't look right. But the thing that also irked me about what she said was like, this dude was charged with that. He wasn't convicted. And the reason why he had those charges from a month prior was because of a domestic dispute that he had with a girlfriend. And we don't know what the outcome was. I mean, just a few months back, we had a young man that was kicked off a football team for an alleged sexual assault. And the accuser was like, well, I lied about that, but I can't go back on my word. Now I have to live with the lie. So just because he's charged with that and the maximum penalty for sexual assault in Wisconsin, because I look it up, my own fucking facts, right, is five years as the maximum penalty. Domestic dispute, I know you're not getting life for that. So any of those things that he had on his record does not justify shooting that man in his back. That's not the penalty. If that was the law or the or, or the law or the the type of society that we lived in where it was like, hey, listen, people, if y'all mess up, you getting capped. Then it's like, all right, I understand that. But that's not the society we live in. The progressive society that we live in right now is that, listen, you're guilty. I mean, you're innocent until proven guilty. So in a, in a court of public opinion, the man is already guilty of something that he, you know, necessarily did, which we don't know if he did it or not. Right, you're supposed to be innocent till proven guilty, but when you see videos like that, it really feels the other way around. And and maybe you know we talked about the mental health issues uh, last week or the week before, because from what I saw, if if I'm that dude and I'm like, yo, I'm about to go grab something in the truck to do something to these police, he walked all the way around the truck. So I'm not sure it, it was it on video that he pulled the weapon out because nah, I didn't see nothing because you got to be really sick in the head to think you're about to walk all the way around the truck 
grab what you had and then have a chance to even pull it on three off. So that's what I'm saying. So I don't necessarily believe he had something. And if I had to let the, if I had to let um the gun go and shoot him, I'm not shooting him in the back. If he's grabbing a knife, like, no, I'm a warning shot. Boom. Hit you in the ankle. You better relax. But like I said, man, you know, when my mom, my mom being a cop, when I was growing up, you know, I was little, I was like, mom, you ever shoot anybody? And she was like, no, it's too much paperwork. And I was like, dang. But then like, she's always said that. And now I see shit like this and they don't care how much paperwork it is. Like we letting it fly. And I mean, I, that doesn't really have nothing to do with what we're saying, but fuck, man, it's just, I don't know how much more, and as fucked up as 2020 is, this shit's going to keep going because what we might need to do, we might need like a full 100% shutdown slash protest. And what I mean by that is the black contribution to society as far as, you know, the culture is pretty much pop culture at this point you know it's what it's what kind of progresses things is what looked at as cool it's um you know the black dollar is very powerful um that's why the marketing is the way it is and i just feel like you know similar to what the nba started they're just like and you know starting with sports like no i'm not fucking with this no more we're not gonna play until something happens affect all the bottom lines Starting with sports because that kind of grabs, uh, you know, a big chunk of the population and just go on through fashion or music or a bunch of stuff. If everything just shuts the fuck down, then the people who the higher ups who have a lot of power in this. When their bottom lines are affected, that's when shit starts moving. That's when we're OK. Let, what, what do we got to do to make everybody happy? And that's what's going to happen. And I think that's I think that's where we're at, at this point, because like. Social media don't mean nothing. It don't matter if, if we have full-on Rodney King evidence of people just getting wrongfully beaten, wrongfully shot. That shit don't work. Hmm. It's got to be a little more drastic than that or full-on drastic. Short-term pain for that long-term gain. And, I mean, that's just where I'm at with it. And I know some people are probably at that point too, but it's, you know, how many more before it gets to that point? I got a homeboy, man. Um, I won't say any descriptors. Um, I told him, you know, the conversation that he and I had um, stays between he and I uh, in terms of like, you know, I'm not going to identify him or nothing like that. But I think the message was out there. There's a lot of lost black people out here, like really lost. You know, the ones that you see at the Trump rallies and, you know, my my African-American up there and stuff like that. You a token Negro at that point. I'm talking to my friend and, you know, I asked him, you know, I, I started realizing just looking at stuff that he puts up there on social media that he he's playing both sides of the fence. So I asked him finally, you know, after three or four shootings, you know, I said, hey, man, he puts up there. He said, you know, we got to get closer to God. I said, you know, no, I, I get it. I said, but we're not getting, you know, closer. It seems like we're getting further away from that. And he said, you know what, man, let's have an honest conversation. He said, I feel like times are a lot different and, you know, people can go out there and, you know, access their freedoms and stuff like that, especially black people. And I'm not going to live with this victim mentality. He said, I get him. You go get him. But then I started thinking about this man's history. Right. Before he, you know, met 
his significant other, you know, he was involved in a relationship with someone else. He had a 550 credit score. His significant other now is currently Caucasian. That significant other helped raise his, you know, credit score, all the shit that we like to joke about. You know, they got a little bit of change in their pockets, you know, and he's adopted, you know, her family as if it is, you know, his family now. And then the other thing I had to think about when he started talking about his love for, you know, Republicans and Donald Trump and everything is that he's first generation here. And I started thinking like, yo, like that's a difference. Like in our communities, like although you may see a black person, I distinguish myself differently from somebody that isn't from America or their parents are not from America. And this is true because a lot of them look at us and they look at our democracy and stuff like that and they hate it. You know what I mean? But then they come here and they get that opportunity because they want to make more of themselves. And so they don't involve themselves in the politics and the stuff that's been going on here for over 300 years. And they come here and get that bread and they dip. So I sent him the article that a friend of ours sent in the group chat, which was the home appraisal process um, and how an interracial couple where the woman was black and the husband was white um, ended up getting their home appraised and got it significantly lower from the value around the other houses in the neighborhood. They went back and redid the home appraisal and after after taking all the the black photos down. Yeah. After taking all the black photos down and left the husband in the home for the new appraisal and they got it a hundred thousand dollars above value. Now talking to him, he's all, well, you know, it can't be about race. It could be other factors that you don't even know about and stuff like that. I said, these people did their own social experiment. Yeah. when it's six figure difference, that's no. significant. Yeah, that's that's not other factors. And I'm not just pulling this out of my ass. I called my realtor friend before we got in here and I asked her. And she had, you know, of course, a lot of other questions. She thought I was talking about a friend of mine. I said, No, it's not. She said, Well, you know, I don't I know that there's racism that is, you know, in this country and stuff like that. She's like, So could it be race? Possibly. But it could be other factors. But given the circumstances that you've told me right now, it sounds like that race race is the motivator. And so when I asked this gentleman that, he said, well, you know, I'm not going to play the victim. I'm just going to go get my home appraised by someone else. That's cool. But I know you. You're cheap. So to spend $700 on a home appraisal and then go to another company and spend another $700, you're forking over almost two grand in home appraisals just so that you could sell your house. And anybody that's had experience in buying a house, and it doesn't matter because for y'all listeners that's here right now, y'all going to have experience because we're going to talk about the shit. So that y'all are equipped for when you, when you when you go out there. But anyone that's ever done that, you're scraping pennies along. You're scraping all the finances that you have to hit the number that they tell you that you need to have. So spending $1,500, $2,000 in home appraisals, it doesn't just make sense to say, oh, I'm just going to go to someone else and turn the blind eye to it. Especially if you're in a position to even do that. They've been doing this shit for forever. I said, bro, what about gentrification? What about redlining? You know what I mean? That, it's not by mistake that I'm talking to you about Coronado in the opening of this episode. White folks is waving at me out of pity. <laughs> I ride the strand monthly, at least once a month, if not once or twice uh, or once or twice in a two month period. They ain't never been this friendly until today. Yeah, redlining is illegal, but it's still they they do what they do. I mean, what anyone who's ever gotten car insurance or whatever, why do you think they care about your zip code so much? Right, where there's a, a lot of cars is at, and not just a lot of cars. I mean, that they they probably say that, but I mean, they know who lives where. 
they know they know the patches and then you know maybe i'm wrong but when you care that much about a zip code and you know as much as as much of a melting pot as you can say california is um you know it's still i don't want to say all the way segregated but you know it's clustered oh for sure especially like when you get into like areas of like non-metropolitan areas but um yeah we spent a lot of time on that man and 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 you know it's gonna be a heavy episode but i feel i feel like we should you know switch gears um i was talking to a friend of mine um uh, and his cousin is actually doing real estate so just to kind of stay on that theme um we're gonna give him a call up real quick he's been waiting on us probably for like the last 45 minutes you know <laughs> to an hour i told bro that we was gonna call him pretty soon um uh, but i just wanted to talk more i had a real estate you know, segment on grown folks business, you know, maybe a year and a half ago, but for y'all that wasn't, you know, part of that podcast movement, you know, we'll definitely get some more information, you know, for somebody that's out there grinding. Man, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, Devon? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. All right. Hey, so it's me and Lex here, man. Uh, We're calling you live actually on the air on the You Wasn't Outside podcast, man. So don't say nothing too crazy. What's going on, bro? (laughs) Hey, man. So, um, a little bit so that you can know like what we've been talking about a little bit in this episode, you know, we've been talking a little bit about real estate and, and redlining and, you know, all the things that kind of like affected, you know, African-Americans and everything like that. And that just got us onto this, you know, subject of trying to empower those, you know, to get into the real estate market and start looking into it. So um, give us a little bit of background history of you um, and, you know, some of the stuff that you're doing right now. Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so a little bit about myself, man, you know, I, I graduated high school uh, and ended up going into the military. And uh, I was actually in the Navy and then um, went down. Uh, I was on an actual submarine. So I was stationed on a submarine for for four years, man. So, you know, not being able to see the sun, man. So we had nothing but time but to think about some things and, and, and map out a plan. Um, and so um, with that being said, as I, you know, I just took nothing but, you know, the time that I had to, to educate myself on real estate. Mm. And uh, and so just mapping out that plan. And I, I think the, the most important part is, you know, mapping out that plan, but not overanalyzing that situation and, and take action. So uh, currently right now, uh, you know, I'm out of the military. I'm in the real real estate full time and uh just ended up uh closing on a, a four unit apartment building out here in uh in Seattle. Oh, that's what's up. So how long have you been in how long have you been doing real estate now full time? Uh so I've been doing it now uh about a year and a half. Okay. So you you're getting your feet wet and now you fully diving into it. Can you say in what yeah. capacity? Uh so I'm actually a, a real estate agent but also an uh, an investor as well. Flipping or so, buy and hold? Say that one more time. Flipping or buy and hold? Uh so I'm I'm doing buy and hold uh but typically multifamily because I just don't Econ- I don't like the yeah. the economies like of scale. Yeah, I like the 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 scale factor of it. Hey, Seattle's a tough market right now, man. Yeah, man, the the market right now is, is so crazy because the interest rates right now are so low. Is that everybody wants to buy, but it's also a perfect time to sell too. Do you have so, a um uh what's your um your buying criteria or your investing criteria? What what made that the, this four unit work for you? Are you living in? Are you going to be living in this unit? 
Yeah. So what I did is is what they consider house hacking. So uh, uh, I live in one unit and rent out the other three. So I have to live in there. Yeah. Uh, when you're owner occupying, you have to live in there for at least a right. year till you buy the next one. And you want to do that because you get better financing than if it was a, a investment property straight up. Right. That right. as well. And uh, in order for me to advance, you know, throughout life is the the main thing is, yeah, you want to make as much money as possible. But you also want to reduce your expenses as well. So technically, I'll be living for free. Right. That's what he means by house hacking. So he's living in one unit and the rents of the other three are going to cover his portion. That way he can continue to stack, live for free, and he can upgrade or move on to the next property. He's playing a real game, a real life game of Monopoly right now. Exactly. And so with that being said, I used a, a VA loan for the financing. Of, that was of my 0% question. Yeah, down. yeah, there we go. Yep, I used a 0% down, and then the following year, uh, well, I plan to buy one within six months, depending on what the market is going to do again, but also buy another and to have, you know, 12 units by the end of the year or the end of next year, and then, uh, you know, use an FHA loan as well. Because you could translate your VA loan, and then following year, use your FHA loan as well. Are you buying turnkey or distressed? Uh, so right now I don't want to do too much rehab. Right. Uh, so what my criteria that I look for is I look for, uh, um, properties that are severely under market rent, the rents are severely under market value because, you know, the owner maybe doesn't want to increase them because, uh, you know, he's older and he's just old fashioned or it's just being not managed properly. Cause I like to work, uh, smarter, not harder. And so if I could find that diamond in the rough, you know, I will. And in this deal in particular, it actually wasn't even on the MLS. So that the MLS, what that is, is, you know, the properties that are actually on Zillow, Trulia, and stuff like that. So the way I found this deal, uh, I was just calling around owners because, like I said, I am a real estate agent. And I was just trying to figure out, you know, who, who wants to sell their property and just come to find out that the person that I called was interested and they, you know they're about 80 years old and they're looking to retire from the real estate game and so that's when i was there to solve their problem that's the move did you so did you you inherited tenants then yeah so uh, it, it's actually right now fully occupied with four tenants but since i had to meet that va requirement i have to uh actually kick one of the tenants out and so the way i determine that is the guy who was paying the least amount of rent um you know i had to kick him out and so I'll, I'll move in uh, within the next 60 days. So if there was a how-to that you can, like, kind of give to the listeners that's been listening in, let's say if they weren't fortunate enough to, you know, you know, have, like, the VA or anything like that, where would they start if they wanted to invest in properties or, you know, uh, the home buying process? Like, where would you start at? If uh, I, I think the, the important place to start at is, is with yourself and self-education. Um and taking that time uh and it's so funny to me that people always you know knock nine to five hustle and stuff like that and you know say oh you know, i'm gonna quit my nine to five and, and be an entrepreneur but you know that's not the only way to go i actually recommend having a nine to five and being an entrepreneur um with that being said a lot of people don't talk about the fact that you know you have to have that nine to five in order to get some of these loans yeah. Yeah. They, right. And so the thing that I ran into is that I quit or I got out of the military and I'm like, I'm going to go into entrepreneur full time. 
you know, I had a, you know, I had a couple, you know, a good amount of money saved up, you know, the credit good to go, try to go get a loan. And they're like, Hey, you know, you haven't been an entrepreneur for over two years. So therefore, you know, you need to, you need to have a good stable job in order to get the loan. And so, you know, get a good nine to five paying job, you know, and do your side hustle on the side and then go ahead and get in the game of, you know, finding what your niche is. And, you know, me personally, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in a FHA and house hacking. I think that is the easiest way to get in the game and to reduce your expenses. I agree. Um, so, I feel like anybody, so, I feel like anybody that house hacks, they might catch the bug to invest otherwise once they feel that, that type of freedom. Cause you can wake exactly. up every day and most people's biggest expense every month is, is their rent or mortgage. And that's something that's not even really on your mind because it's being taken care of. Mm. And so I, I, I agree. I think that's the best for anyone who wants to start house hacking. And, and it, but it is, uh, I'm assuming you're single right now with no kids. Uh, no, I'm actually married, man. Okay. So how did, uh, that's a question in itself. How did, uh, was she always on board or did you have to do a little convincing? Uh, so the thing is, is, you know, obviously getting your partner on board. Uh, you know, my partner in the beginning, she was, you know, she wasn't as, you know, entrepreneur inclined, but now, uh, she, you know, has, has seen, you know, some things in life and life, life experience. Cause we're young, we're 24 years old. And so um, she's actually got more of the entrepreneurial mindset now, and she's fully on board. Like, she has her own esthetician business as well, you know, doing her thing. And, you know, it, it's good to when your, final, your spouse is on board, man. It's a great thing. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, about how they can put you on a different level. So, um, so you're an agent, so you're, you know, listing and selling houses, and you're house hacking. Do you, did you, do you care about wanting to be an agent as much or did you just do that to get in the game and you want to, would you rather focus more on just the, uh, acquiring properties? Um, yeah, man. So, I mean, I, I enjoy being an agent, uh, but I definitely enjoy, uh, being an investor a lot more. Um, but the reason why I became an agent was to, uh, learn the ins and outs of the real estate game, uh, from an agent standpoint and to, to, to just hit the ground running and not have a cap on the income and money that I can make. So yeah, I do my nine to five, uh, uh, you know, a good high paying government job. And then I do my real estate thing on the side, man. And, uh, it's, it's been working out very well. Right. And just to, just to, uh, backpedal a little bit, what he meant was, uh, getting a loan, you haven't been an entre entrepreneur for two hours. So when you go get a home, two if hours. you're just trying to two hours, two years, um, when you, when you're trying to get a home, they love that W two because it's, it's there. They know the money's coming every week. When you're an entrepreneur, you can have good months, you can have bad months and in between, but if you can show a two year consistency, that's what will clear that hiccup because a lot of entrepreneurs, even though they have a lot of dough or they have a lot of bread just stacked away, getting that loan is still hard because of the inconsistencies in their income. Which is crazy because you even saying that and you got a cousin, Devon. We ain't going to say, you know, who that cousin is, but your cousin makes a substantial amount of money. So when I had spoke to your cousin, you know, he had told me that because he had not been working, that they weren't going to just, you know, give him a loan for him to buy properties, you know, without him showing the consistency. And I'm like, well, man, you know, you make 
X amount of dollars per year and the bank is still not even touching you. You know what I mean? And so most people don't know that. You know what I mean? It's like if unless you have cash to just throw down on, you know, on on a property and, and you can accrue. I mean, you can just, you know, succumb to whatever happens after you close that deal. It's like it, it's, it doesn't make financial sense to do so. Taking a loan from a bank, especially during these times when interest rates are so low and you're borrowing money for damn near next to free. You know, our parents maybe in the 90s and the 80s was putting maybe 12 percent down. You know, it's, it's free money out there right now, but you got to have a job. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter if you have one or two or whatever, man, just have a job to put on paper so you can at least get into that property. Exactly. I mean, because once you get that property, you can go ahead and quit your job. You know, uh, once you get it, it's just getting that bank to to loan you that money and cutting you that check. And and, and what you were saying is like, yeah, me and him both have talked about that. And it's a it's a crazy situation. And you just got to really learn how to play the game that the bank is playing. Do you have um, as far as the end game, do you have a, a number of doors that you want before you're like, oh, I'm good? Um, right now I don't really have like a, for the end game, I like to, me personally, I like to set goals that's, you know, short term goals so that I, I can meet those. And then I readjust, uh, once I meet that goal. Um, but per- personally right now, my goal is 32 units. That's, that's my goal, uh, within the next two to three, two to two, two and a half years. So, so that I'm just fall- trying to hit that goal. So that falls under like having streams of income. Right. So is there a reason 32? Is there is there a certain cash flow number you're looking per door? Uh, Yeah. So 32 is just kind of like one of those random numbers that I put in the air. And uh, and so with that being said, I, I have, you know, 32 just around my house, like just in my on my fridge, random places so that I can see it visually every single day. You know, nobody else knows what it means but me. But. <laughs> You know, you just got to be able to see your, your goal every single day in order for you to reach that. So you live in Seattle, man. That's a, And, you know, we're out here in San Diego, so we know the struggles of uh, high cost of living. So, you know, a lot of times for most people, just having a, just having a job is, is ain't, ain't going to cut it. So you, you got the job. You're a real estate agent. You invest on the side. You understand that that one stream of income wasn't going to cut it. So... Can you talk about, um, are you strictly real estate? Are you diversified in any other ways right now? Uh, yeah, man. I have uh, other streams of income. Stock gain. Uh, I have a couple of other, you know, small businesses that I'm invested in as well. And, you know, that multiple stream of income is, is, is crucial because it gives you, it gives you control of your own destiny. Because uh, at the end of the day, you could be working at a job you know, 15 years and you, you got five years left until your retirement, they can let you go. Even at the most secure job or what we think is so-called secure. Um, and so just to be able to take control and, you know, the fate in your hands, it's always a, a feeling, a great feeling. You know, you can go to sleep at night knowing that you're taken care of. Okay. Yo, Devon, man, I want to appreciate you coming out here and talking with us, man. Let people know where they can find you at, especially if they have questions or if we got any listeners in the Seattle area, man. Uh, they can definitely hit you up, man, and ask you more questions, and maybe you might even close a deal on it. Absolutely, man. You can always hit me up, and you can find me on uh, Instagram or Facebook at uh, Devon Youngblood. It's spelled uh, D-A-V-O-N-N, and then, you know, Youngblood. So. Um, you know, it was a pleasure having uh, me on the show, and I, I wish you guys nothing but success. 
Yeah, man, I appreciate you uh, for definitely, you know, giving our listeners something to hope or move forward towards, you know, especially if people who are stuck in a rut or trying to find, you know, different ways or avenues to make money in this pandemic, man. So, you know, I thank you for that. Hey, hey, I'm a big uh, big believer in accountability, so keep us posted. Uh, I want to hear when you get to that 32. Absolutely, man, absolutely. Maybe we can make something happen uh, down the future. Yep, once you get out, once you, uh, out here again, let me know, man. We have you here in person. Once it's safe, right, at least. <laughs> All right, man. Be blessed out there, man. All right, now be up. All right. Yeah, man. I think I think another thing that I think is important, you know, is like he said to you know get information and stuff like that. Go talk to a lender. You know what I mean? If you're a person out there trying to buy like a single family home or something like that, you know, talk to a lender. You know, because most real estate agents are gonna you know tell you to go talk to a loan officer anyway. You know, so go talk to a lender, figure out how much you can afford if you're just starting out, you know, and then and how much you're going to need to put down and how much you would need to close on a house. Because most people just think you put down the down payment. No, there's more other fees like that. There's escrow fees and everything. Figure out how much, you know, you can afford realistically for the job that you have and, and start from there. And it doesn't mean that you have to actually go out and buy a house when you go and speak to a lender. You can just get the numbers and your numbers might improve. I went out and I spoke to a lender two years before I bought a house and I ended up not even going through that lender. I went through three lenders before I went to the guy that you recommended me to. You know what I mean? And the number that they gave me in the beginning was just a baseline number, but it was no longer existing because I made more money later Something on. to shoot for. Yeah. And I want to talk to anybody who's is stuck into that uh where they have inconsistent income and they might not have that w2 don't get it twisted there's plenty there's uh an abundance of money out there looking for to be lent so it's gonna cost a little more but if you can't go the traditional route they have uh i mean there's so many different sources you can go to there's hard money out there if you find uh some type of private lender private lending there's peer-to-peer lending now. There's so much money out there that you can make something happen if you navigate correctly. So I don't want anybody that heard that that's like, damn, I don't have a W-2 or I've been doing this and that. Just don't be discouraged. There's plenty of money out there. Yeah. So just go out there and get the information. If anything, we're just going to try to motivate you. Yo, shouts out to Devon for you know calling in. He's a good sport. That shit coming in super loud. Uh, switching gears real quick. Let's talk about today, which being Sunday, uh, what's happened in hip hop history. Still right up your alley. I'm out here just throwing you oops and you can slam it down. You know what I mean? Like that last scene in white man can't jump. We finally got it. Exactly. Exactly. Except for Bobby wasn't shit. (laughs) His name was Billy. Billy. You knew what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You really didn't know what I meant, but still, um, in today's hip hop segment, I believe 15 years ago, uh, Kanye West dropped his late registration album. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. Also, Mm -hmm. today in hip-hop, in 1994, UGK dropped their sophomore album, Super Tight. What do you think their best uh, project was? It's probably that one. If it's not that one, then it's the next one, which was uh, Riding Dirty. Mm. Um, Rest in peace, Pimp C. Yeah, man. I was a little, um, you know... Southern music. I was a little late to the game on UGK, but when I got there, I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, this is you know." Yeah, by the time like I got, well, I mean, looking at the years, I was still young as hell, you know. But when they when they came in, I think my first introduction was when they did that uh, international players anthem with Outkast. Oh, really? Yeah, and then I had to work backwards from there. Okay, so I was introduced through Big Pimpin'. 
Mm. And I was on some lyrical miracle, shoot him up, kill him type stuff. And yeah. I was like, ah, you know, pimp C. But once I got a little older and I was like, okay. <laughs> and once I went back, I said, oh, yeah, this is it right here. You start walking around with double cups? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't go that far. But yeah, yeah. As much as Pimp C was on some, like, you know, it didn't sound like it was too, in- you know, technical what he was saying. He he was dropping gems. He was doing what he He can. was out here. <laughs> My man. All right, man. So one th- uh, we got a few topics left, and then we're going to get the hell up out of here. Um, did you get a chance to watch that immigration doc on, on Netflix? I did. So my wife fell asleep at, like, 4 p.m. yesterday, and I was like, ooh, I got a little chance. Because she didn't want to watch it just because she knew it was going to charge her up be a little rough on her which i understand when i was watching it i understood like yeah it was a good call you weren't you weren't gonna get through this but yeah um i did i did make it through okay and what's your thoughts on it well explain a little bit what was going on in the doc um well so it's six episodes long each episode they're kind of going through different situations through different perspectives of just the recent most of it takes place between 2017 and 2019 as far as um the recent immigration changes that this administration has been uh, taking and just how it's, it's re- it's, it's harder to get here. It's a lot more stricter to get in and they're deporting a whole lot more people. They're t- deporting. It's hard to stay here too, yeah, yeah. It's hard to stay here. So um, I could just keep talking like little bits per episode or I don't know how you want to talk about it, but there wasn't a whole lot of bright spots in it i know that no not at all man i mean i think it was more so of just informing us and it was things that like i mean we're we're a border uh, border town you know what i mean whereas the borders in our backyard you can see mexico depending on where you're at in san diego or how high up you are so it hits us a little a little more close to home because it is close to home and we we see it firsthand right and I just thought it was interesting on one of the episodes i think it was like three or four they were getting into their bag in regards to like how people would follow Mexican Americans would follow, you know, crops, you know, or Latinos yeah, would follow yeah, crops. Yeah. But now the game has changed in which now they, they're following the natural disasters. disasters. Yeah. Cause they're doing construction work, exactly. rebuilding so, the thing. And so what hit me was like when one of the, the white dudes was out there in Florida and he was like, look, long <laughs> as they fix my roof and do a good job. He's like, I don't necessarily care if they're a citizen or not, but if they get caught, that's their fault. And that's the mentality like that that I hate that we've come to as a society where it's like, yo, if shit benefits me, then I'm going to take full on advantage of it. And I'm not going to speak up for those that are helping me along the way, because these are people that are doing the job for the low and helping you rebuild the life in that American dream that you was living before. You know, this I got fired up. I mean, it was it was hard to watch all the way through, but there were certain pieces each episode that I was like, come on, man. Like, they're, man, a lot of they were showing it wasn't just we're going to show a bunch of immigrants talking about that. They were talking about the separation of the families a lot and they were showing the other side. And these people were not afraid to talk to the camera like, hey, some people were more like, hey, man, it's the law. I'm just trying to do my job. Nah, it wasn't some people. It was ice. And, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just doing my job. I don't necessarily agree with it. And some people were like, no, they don't belong here. And then, you know, but the one uh, piece of information, not one piece, but like the thing that really struck me that I wasn't even thinking of and I didn't know until this, I didn't know that they could deport veterans. Bruh. And I was like, damn. And, and, you know, somebody was, he'd really dropped a bar on me and was like, I was, I was good enough to go fight for the country. I'm just not good enough 
I was good enough to go die for the country. I wasn't good enough to live in it. And the only time they can come back is when? In a body bag? In a body bag. Right, if right. they die, then they will take their body back across over the border and let them come in. It takes, I think they were saying like it would take upwards of 10 years. And before, here's the thing. And 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 what I'm, out, what I'm about is like giving information, right? Now, it's up to y'all if y'all want to go look up the credibility of it. But I looked up an article. Not going to tell you where I got it from because I want you to go and look it up yourself because there's truth to it. The problem that we have in the society right now is people are listening from information from other people, letting it go from one ear and throughout the other one without checking in on it or giving two fucks about it. I'm not about that. I'm giving you something for shock value. Now go and tell me that I'm wrong. So what I had found was is that in the past century, more than 760,000 uh, non-citizens, asylum seekers, refugees, and DACA recipients and others served in the United States military fighting in both world wars, Afghanistan, and Iraq. That's wild. Government Accountability Office says that at least 92 veterans were deported between 2013 and 2018. Immigration and Customs Enforcement does not collect data on veterans, and many advocates who work with deported veterans believe the number is much higher. Now, the gentleman that was in there in that film that was talking, he had a marijuana offense from 12 years ago when he was young. Didn't stop him from getting in the military. Didn't stop him from putting his life on the line. He found a job as a translator and went to travel abroad for his job. And when he tried to get back through through customs, they said, because of your marijuana offense that you had 12 years ago, we're not going to let you back into this country. And he had to go back into Mexico. And to this day, even though he's back here in the States, he's still not a citizen. And he was talking about the governor. I don't remember who, but she she used him for her campaign platform, got on and didn't pardon him. Yeah. And that's all he really wanted was just like, I can't move on. I'm stressed out. I want to have a child and a family and not think not look over my shoulder every day. And that's all he wanted. He wasn't asking for huh. any handout. He was just asking for something that he had earned. And. Some of the things they touched upon was they started deporting more people, but it wasn't, you know, we've always deported people, but under the previous administration, it was more so the criminals that this administration is, talks about that that's all they're sending. That's what they were going after. And now what they were doing was just picking up strays and like, oh, you're not supposed to be, you have a pending case. You didn't do nothing wrong, but hey, I'm here now. So come with me. And that's really unfortunate because. You know, they're here and, you know, no, because, you know, the the other side, one of their big arguments is they come here, they're a strain on our uh, social systems. They take our tax dollars and they're getting free handouts and aid. And you don't understand, like most of these people that you see, they come here and they work and they pay taxes and they pay into Social Security that they're never going to see because they're not a citizen. And they're contributing without being able to see any of the benefits. Healthcare. Healthcare, Social Security, all that stuff. And and let's just say there's a few that slip through the cracks and they are kind of working the system. The money they are getting, they're putting back into the economy, still paying sales tax. They're still contributing. And they still do a lot of the jobs that most people that complain about everyone taking our jobs don't want to do. I'm going to be real. I don't want to do half the shit that they was doing on TV. No. Or on that show. And they do it in, in those like wild conditions. You know, those people that follow the crops, they're out there and it's not fun. Those people that follow the, 
the hurricanes and there was that one dude man that that got deported like there was kids in there that came here when they were two or three getting deported at 20 and he's like oh you speak english he was speaking perfect english like yeah i speak english dude like what are you talking about i've been here as long as your kids have been here you know what i mean and it's like man and then you got the the one of the other differences was a lot of people come for asylum because their countries are going through it and they're afraid for their life and they get here and i understand you know i work for a social program where a lot of people are like just saying something just to say it and it's not true but they think everybody that oh they're they're afraid for their life just say you're afraid for your life and we'll let you in so instead of taking people for asylum they say okay you want to we're going to put you on the waiting list for asylum but you wait right there in mexico and we'll let you know and they have there's nobody watching them. there's no quotas or anything they have to hit as far as applications they just don't process them they just let it sit there and there's people the one good thing that happened in that documentary was um the lady from uganda finally got her kids after five years mm. and then shit the scene after that they showed somebody that couldn't take it no more tried to swim the river and was dead next to his baby his baby girl and so I was like, you couldn't even enjoy that one little moment because the next scene was like, oh, he kept coming back, kept Spoiler getting sent alert. back. Yeah, yeah. And he tried to swim the river and d- got tired and there was a baby on his back and they were just sitting there floating at the end of the river. That's the thing that I'm thinking, like it gets into voting. Like it's important to vote. I feel like if you've been here for five plus years, never had a run in with the law and you've been a you know contributing member of this society, no matter if you came here illegally or not. If you get away with it for five plus years, you're able to work and, you know, you start a family, you know, we should start considering you being a, you know, being a citizen here. Because we got natural born citizens here that ain't scratching on shit and get them assholes out of here. The only natural born citizens are the Native Americans. And that's real. And and that that's the argument. Like, I understand just playing devil's advocate. If you just open the borders and everybody flows in, that's going to be an issue. So yeah, there there's got to be a way in the middle to handle it. But but all these people that swear like, "Oh, we can't do that. We can't just let anybody in here." Like that's how it that's how we got to where we were because your ancestors were able to come here. Because we're all not here. We're not supposed to be here. If it was like that back then, then we wouldn't be here right now. No. So we got to afford everybody that opportunity within reason to make that happen for themselves we we get on tv and we brag to every country about how dope we are and get mad when people want to be a part of it yeah it don't make real. no goddamn sense and it's like ah man yeah go vote man if you can and even then like i, I noticed something nasty that i never got a chance to talk about with the whole voting process so you know they had the midterm elections that came up i had switched because i really don't i really don't fuck with the democrats i don't fuck with the republicans or either I feel like they're Bloods and Crips. You know, that's just me. I I will vote for somebody who most aligns. But when I changed my ballot up to be an independent, when I went to go, like, vote, I realized I couldn't vote in the primary elections. You couldn't. They don't even tell you that. I did the same thing. I was like, oh, shit, I can't get Bernie this vote. That's how Hillary got the vote in 2016. Bro, I'm sitting up in there like, man... Ain't this some shit, man? And so I told the girl, I said, listen, I said, yo, why can't I vote in the primary? She said, oh, it's because you're an independent. Yeah, it makes sense. She was like, well, you can switch your ballot right now. I ended up getting it fixed. But it's like those small things that they don't tell you. 
You know what I mean? Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, I'm doing myself a solid and not aligning myself. Because if history tells me correct, Republicans actually freed the slaves because they were the ones that were in office. You know, and the Democrats were majority uh, racist. Somebody who's a history buff, fix yeah. it if I'm wrong. But I think I'm 100% correct. Yeah, yeah. It was like that. And then they kind of they kind of molded and switched, switched at a, at a certain yeah. time. But but yeah. But and, yeah, the, the two-party system is dumb in general. You shouldn't just have, oh, I'm this side and this is what we believe in. That makes no sense at all because every person feel should feel differently on every issue. Yeah. So you should lean one way on some things and the other way on a bunch of other ones. For sure. That's why somewhere in the middle is probably what it should be like in the two-party system because everything's so extreme. That's why we can never get no progress done because everybody's fighting over. We was promised that second stimulus like a month or two ago. They just went on vacation. Like, I. And Donald Trump said he, bu- he building 10 miles a wall, you know, every day. I said, this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't building that one wall, man. Well, because he knows his base don't care about follow ups or they, they just take his word for it. So. Yeah, they just, you know, there's no, there's no follow up or nothing like that at all, man. And then some of this male practicing stuff that they got going on. What's your thoughts on that, man? All right. Well, so him trying to strategize because he know we know in general the republicans have a smaller base just because of their beliefs in the world or the country in general uh you know the major population i I truly believe wants at least some type of progress so the republicans know they have to do things that's why they've done things for so long like gerrymandering where they redistrict zones and they have these wild ass lines going through for a certain district just so they can win and, and that goes all the way up the chain. Um, and then, you know, the electoral college is, is dumb. And so there's little tricks in, that they do. And one thing with this mail ballot is, especially so in a pandemic, they don't want most people or a lot of people are going to want to mail to to vote by mail. They don't want to go out and wait in these long ballot lines you know, not social distancing with a lot of people that might not believe in wearing masks. They don't even to deal with it. So they want to mail in their vote and they're saying, well, there's going to be mass fraud and you guys are trying to rig the election. We want, so they're trying to defund the post office to make it so that you don't get your ballot in time. Cause if you don't vote, most likely that's going to help me out. The Republican. Hell no. And to the no, no, no. That, that long yeah, joint. So, while that's unfortunate because you should always give someone the ability to vote. And so, if that's the case, if you can vote early by mail, I would say do that now. But politicizing the mail is so dangerous, not just because of the election, but you got to think about the country's fabric, how important the postal service is. A lot of small businesses won't make any money if the postal service isn't out there because they can't pay the prices of a FedEx or a UPS when they're shipping their product and whatever. Uh, more importantly, older folk, not even just old folk. I know a lot of people that get their medicine through the mail. And if you do something like that and they're, they're not getting medicine on time or on their correct schedule, depending on what they got, that, that could be detriment. That could be life or death. And you're playing with people's lives when you start messing up the mail. Not everything is two day shipping from Amazon. You know what I mean? So it you got to stop fucking with people's lives for another four years. Like just 
you see the numbers as much as you don't want to believe them. Like it's over, dog. Like, stop trying to fuck everything up. I'm now. I'm done, man. Fuck. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Listen, for y'all young people that's out there, man, because I know that's always been a fight between the young people and the old people, start giving a shit about stuff. Because I tell you what, around 25, 26 is when I started to give a shit about things and what was going on. And I wish that I spent four or five years, you know, before then when I was of the legal age of 18, 19, 20, man, to to really affect change. I tell people all the time, I cried when Obama, you know, became president because it did show progress in the right direction. A lot of people say they don't agree with Obama's politics or felt like he didn't do anything for black people. Well, shit, we're only 12, 14 percent of the population. So how much do you expect a man to do for a legitimate minority? You know what I mean? While still trying to get things done. I didn't vote for Obama because I didn't vote during that time. And that's the one thing that I have to take away is that my grandmother came from a time of civil rights and, you know, went to segregated schools and everything like that. My father was born during that time. My mother was born during that time. You know what I mean? And here I am not participating. And I had to ask myself, that was my why. But the reason why we're talking about this stuff right now, because I know my demographic. I know who we're talking to. I know who listens to this. It's ages 25 to 35. So if you're out here saying you don't give a shit, well, I'm going to help you give a shit. If not, just find another podcast for you to listen to. I'm going to find a way to have a, we're going to find a way to have a dope twist to it. We're going to get you the hard, hardcore hip hop stuff. We're going to get people in here that's talking facts, that specialize in it. You know, and that's just what we're here for. Anything you got for three cheers, Lex? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna three cheers. Um, the NBA, Chris Webber, Kenny Smith. The NBA is a family. You know, they took a stand, decided to. I mean, by the time everyone hearing this, the playoffs have resumed, but they took a stand and postponed it a little bit, kind of like what I was saying. They they said, you know what? Nah, we got to do something a little more than just wear a shirt. Or put something on the court, um, put something on the back of the jersey. Like, nah, we're not going to play because why? And it started off with the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, being there in uh, Wisconsin. So shout out to them. And then uh, everybody else followed. I think baseball and then followed. The NBA has just been ahead of the curve when it comes to stuff like this in general. And they continue to push, uh, push the line. So I appreciate that. Um, Chris Webber was out down there dropping gems. I said the NBA recently. They they did my man uh, Abdul. Oh, I always fuck his name up. Abdul Raul, the dude that was uh, protesting in the nineties. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, the last Abdul twenty Mamu. years they've been yeah, yeah they've been they've been very progressive. Mr. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It wasn't always like nineties was a different time, but they've definitely you know they get it. They understand. Like I said, black culture. They know their demographic. They know that that's what's in. That's what's cool, and and that's what people are gonna buy. And so even even if deep down a lot of these owners it's not for the right reasons like you know unfortunately they they're going to they're going to serve their purpose and they're going to make it you know in this case it should be somewhat of a win-win but yeah shout out to them just continuing to uh do what they do and being ahead of the curve especially in a sports arena okay yeah I want to go ahead and give my three cheers out to um uh schoolofme.com or schooloffame.com uh this gentleman um he started a kobe illustration book um and it's called kobe the goat i'll read the excerpt kobe the goat pun intended is especially designed with your child in mind this story comes to life with an adorable goat and the friends that help shape him furthermore with the mentorship of his parents kobe is determined to work hard and be the very best 
Um, and so that book is School of Fame dot com. Uh, it's, it's on School of Fame dot com, and the name of the book is uh, Kobe to Go, written by Delani Anderson and illustrated by Caitlin Yoder. Um, and also, I want to give a three cheers out to uh, Chad Mc, uh, Chadwick Boseman. Oh, wait, 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 before that, before that one, we'll end that with that one. I got one more real quick. Okay. This one was a little older. I forgot to say it, but um, you know, we were talking about um mass incarceration and stuff like that. So. A lot of most prisons are privatized, so they're for profit. So when you get there, they're getting money, you know, uh, tax dollars for every body they hold in there, and everything in there is a markup. Your commissary marked up, you know, the phones marked up. Everything you doing, you paying for. I seen one they was building wheelchairs, and then people was getting paid two dollars a day. Right, and two dollars a day sound like a come up from the shit that I've heard. Mm. And so, um, as of right now, San Francisco is the uh, first county in the nation to stop generating revenue from incarcerated people and their families through the phone, commissary markups, and other services. So, shout out to them. San Francisco be ahead of the curve in a lot of things, too. You ever been to visit at a, a federal institution? Uh, visit, yes. Yes. Which one? You went to the one in South Bay? Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't even know it. They just think it's George Bailey and East Mesa or whatever. But nah, there's a federal one that's down there too. And that yeah, place yeah. is like Fort Knox. And you know it's different. The uniforms hit different. All kind of stuff. <laughs> I've, been, I've been to visit a couple of them. Man. Listen, um, I, I definitely want to hit a three cheers for Chadwick Boseman. Um, the Black Panther, man, was very inspirational in the time where we all needed that love. This man... Did Jackie Robinson? He did the Five Bloods. I want to make sure I have my numbers. James right. Brown was James my favorite. Brown. I mean, to have that work ethic and to be in the state that he was in, man, is just and I believe he did. He did pretty much all of those with the diagnosis. Yeah, since 2016, I believe is when he first had his diagnosis, and for four years he gave us all that he could. Yeah, man. Uh, 43. We got to do better, man. As men, we got to go get checked up. Colon cancer is real. Prostate cancer, all that stuff. We got to, we just got to do better. I know, I know personally, I don't think I've been to the doctor in maybe a decade, like for real, for real. Mm. And so, you know, I'm 31, so I'm still not waking up thinking it's really an issue, but, but you know, I got a family. I got, I got stuff I need to be here for. So, and not not necessarily saying that that's not what he was doing. He was, I'm sure he was super healthy, and sometimes it just gets you. But we can stop a lot of it if we just get checked up. Amen to that. This is episode five. I ain't gonna cut out Kendra's verse too hard. Here we go. Life in living hell, puddles of blood in the street, shooters on top of the building, government aid ain't relief. Earthquake, the body drop, the ground breaks, the poor run with smoke lungs and scar face. Who need a hero? Hero. You need a hero. Look in the mirror, there go your hero. Who on the front lines at ground zero? Hero. My heart don't skip a beat even when hard times bumps the needle. Mass destruction and mass corruption, the souls are suffering men. Clutching on deaf ears again, rapture is coming. It's all prophecy, and if I gotta be sacrificed for the greater good, then that's what it gotta you be. Pray to me.